0: Welcome to another Thursday Roundup with the 905er Podcast. My name is Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. And we've got a, a packed lineup, people. And it actually is pretty packed. Um, we, we actually have more stories than we can fit in today. So we're going to start off with a piece of good news, I think. Although, well... We'll, we'll talk about all sides of it, but definitely a piece of good news at the root of it all. And that is the Halton Catholic District School Board decision last week on the pride flag issue. Uh, Joel, uh, you, you live tweeted it, which was extremely courageous. <laughs> all um, five hours of it. Yeah. My goodness. I, I joined in for the last hour or so. And that was, that was more than enough. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it, it was, uh, it was, well, it was a typical uh, HCDSB board meeting, very dry affair, but a lot of emotions. This was, uh, this was the big one. Uh, we, if listeners uh, remember, we had on uh, trustee Brenda Agnew uh, two weeks ago to discuss her uh, bringing back the, the, t- the issue of raising the pride flag at board offices and board schools for this coming pride month and future pride months uh, forevermore. It was, it was a, it was, I, I'd like to say that it was a clean cut affair and that pe- the the trustees had seen the light and they saw the error of their ways and it was, you know, all, all was right in the world, but it was, I, I just hope we don't have to do another one of these where I have to live tweet because that was a long, arduous process i do know that the trustees were watching our our live t- tweets because i got a few uh comments from uh trustee ian tomasi live as i was tweeting them for some corrections which was uh nice to have and it was a uh, it was a uh, nice to know that we were being being viewed by the powers that be
0: but in the end probably just as uh, well that he wasn't watching my 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 twitter feed because it was a lot <laughs> it was it was uh less less uh neutrally toned than yours was well um, i was trying to be professional but in, in the end
1: at the end, past twelve thirty in the morning, the board finally passed the motion that this June, this Pride Month, the Pride flag will be flying at all of its schools and buildings for the, forever. Which is just—it's a good thing. It's about—it's about time. Uh, painful, painfully way, way to get here, but we did get here nonetheless.
0: Yeah, and, and I think you know, congratulations to the trustees who. Well, first of all, congratulations to trustee Agnew, and uh, I'm blanking on the name of
1: uh, Nancy Guza, who is another uh, uh, ally and a proponent of this uh, initiative.
0: Yeah. Uh, so congratulations to them, but also congratulations to the trustees who were more, those trustees who, who fine, had reservations uh, uh, because of their faith, whatever, and who made the right decision uh, and who behaved like reasonable human beings as part of the process of coming to a decision uh, and, you know, I do ultimately respect people's decisions that are informed by people's faith. What I do not respect at all were the two trustees, uh, one of whom is Vince Tomasi and the other one is Tim O'Brien, who are really an utter disgrace. Uh, And in their behavior was, I I don't think, I don't know what it's informed by, but it doesn't seem to be any kind of logical or or honest uh, interpretation of faith that I can see. It's about delaying, obstructing, In, in the most outrageous fashion you know um in the last minutes of this debate suddenly tim o'brien brings in uh the indigenous flag of canada which is one of the flags you see around not necessarily one that the it's not kind indigenous I, okay, people are here, interested
1: here's in. the th- here's the thing it's not there's no official canadian yep. indigenous flag it's a flag by an indigenous artist who i i believe the flag that was proposed if you look it up it's all the proceeds go to that artist. It is a private art, uh, piece of art. It's not an official political political flag. It's not an official statement. If anything, and this is for future reference, um, if you're gonna fly an indigenous flag at the schools, fly the flag of the Mississaugas of the credit. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The 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 people land that you acknowledge every morning and that you did at the start of the meeting, you might wanna pay attention to that. That was- It, it was completely cynical. Egregious, hypocritical statement. Yeah. And it's, it showed just how much bad faith argument was happening here, because I was sitting there. No, if you're going to say, well, we should honor the indigenous peoples of uh, of this country, then honor the people that you are acknowledging at the start of every board meeting and at the end of every start of every school day, and that is the people of the Mississauga of the credits. I think that's a little hypocritical. I, I I I want to just jump in and say, I think the real the real people who deserve a lot of credit and who really stood out in this entire at that meeting and as really having their, their, their stuff together. Um, with the HCDSB student trustees, Kitty Bowie, Gabriel Masri, Amar and Alicia Tokiwa, as well as student alumni, Nicole Hotchkiss, who I just want to point out that I did, uh, address them with a uh, improper, uh, pronouns when I was live training. I do want to apologize for that. Uh, that was an oversight on my part, but those individuals did a Bang up job of just bringing the facts, the statistics, the quotes, and the the passion that was badly needed in this debate. I was I I was really impressed by their professionalism. Thank God they had somebody on that at that table had some, but their professionalism, their their composure, and their uh yeah just their passion. Those are four individuals who I think will have a very profound future ahead of them. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear hear their names in various uh situations and for the for the better these are these are people who are going to make not just uh, the 905 but i would imagine the province and dare i say at the country uh better uh in the long term so kudos, kudos to uh to the four of them
0: absolutely i absolutely uh uh agree with that um yeah they did really well they were the bigger people they were the people who were who acted who were acting like the adults in the room, uh, acting with, with grace and reasonableness and uh, being a lot more articulate than I am mm-hmm. right this second. So well done for them. Well done for them. Uh, and thank goodness we can put this behind us now. Uh, I'm afraid to say, I don't think this will be the last time that the, 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 the things going on at that board are subjects of discussions on this podcast because it is that, that board is deeply problematic and and we have an election this year and and i hope i hope that the people who form that board from next year are there for the right reasons i mean and i'm not saying that there are there are just too many people there right now who are not there for the right reasons there are you know i don't want to paint everybody with the same brush um but uh yeah it, it it's um it's got to change for the better. It really has to. So I hope we can help shine a light on what's happening in that board. That's definitely something that I think we're providing a service to the community on.
1: Absolutely. Why don't we take a break from that and we'll go to uh, a sponsor break and then we'll be right back. All right. Uh, we're back. Uh, just before we dive into our next story, I do want to give a small shout out to uh, an individual on social media, Peyton Rose Mitchell, who by... Dumb Blind Luck, I happened to be scrolling through TikTok, and I found a TikTok that she made of her favorite political podcasts uh, that she listens to to keep herself informed and, and educated on the issues of, that are important to her. And uh, she had quite the li- stellar list. Candleland, uh, Nora Loretto were on there. And lo and behold, who was included in this stellar uh, list, but yours truly, uh, the nanofiber was, uh, was added to it. We were very uh, humbled that we would be included in such uh, esteemed regard. So just a quick shout-out to Peyton for listening to us, and thanks very much, Peyton. But what we do have is uh, another story on uh, surprise, surprise, development. But this time it's not just another grape. We might actually have a solution, uh, or maybe. I don't know, Roland, you tell
0: us. Yeah, so the provincial government, you know, who... Who've- you know we're deeply in love with the provincial government as everybody knows uh, everything they do is wonderful however by accident or design um, they set up a, a a task force on affordable housing which you know this this provincial government doesn't do a whole lot of consultation so even the fact that they were trying to do some kind of consultation is you know maybe a positive sign and last week the draft report or recommendations of this task force were leaked to uh, a journalist at TVO. And uh, and so TVO sort of uh, gave a summary of what's in those um, um, in those recommendations. It's John Michael McGrath of TVO who, who published them. Uh, so I went through and had a look at, and sort of gave my my initial, like my, my very much initial reaction to, to what we're saying when I mean, there isn't a whole lot of detail here in this kind of uh, pre, um, in these leaked details. Um, I think the actual... Recommendations are meant to be published at the end of the month, so we don't have too long to wait for the official document. Um, but there's plenty in these recommendations uh, to talk about. Um, the frontline, um, you know, the headline um, recommendation in this is that the, basically all single family home areas, all those areas in every city, which make up, tend to make up the bulk of the kind of land, uh, built-up land at least, uh, of single-family homes currently are kind of untouchable. The only thing you can build in a single-family home neighborhood is a single-family home. That uh, They should be opened up to, as of right, uh, buildings of up to four stories. Um, and what this would allow is what's called this gentle density approach, where in amongst single-family homes, you could have a duplex, a triplex, a four-story building, a apartment building. Uh, as used to exist in the past that's exactly what right now I live in a four-story built uh, sorry a three-story building in amongst single-family homes this was normal in the 19 what the 1880s to the 1920s and, and beyond uh, so, so kind of going back to that model now I said on Twitter that I thought it was a pretty radical uh, recommendation and kind of got called out by by a whole bunch of people who are in favor of this motion say oh it's not that radical really it's only four stories and they do it in europe it's like yeah i know i know i know all of this <laughs> what's radical about it is it doesn't happen here and it hasn't happened for decades and that when you say to people who live in single family home neighborhoods who uh, you know with a double garages who've uh, who feel completely safe that i say safe in inverted commas here who know that their neighborhood is not going to change because you know you can build downtown, you can build on green fields, but you cannot build next door to a single family home. That's, that's Doug Ford's core constituency. And it's Stephen Del Duca's core constituency. And to be honest, it's Andrew Horvath's core constituency too. Um, if you frighten those people with the thought that, oh my God, we're going to have renters moving in, and maybe that, you know, I mean, unfortunately, it, it can appeal to the worst instincts of, of, of people uh, who tend to be very anti change as, as default. Anyway, so, yeah, it's like, I do think this is radical. I also think there's a lot to recommend it. Um, I think in reality, it would not, you know, what wouldn't happen is you suddenly go from single family home streets to streets that are dominated by apartment buildings. It would be more a matter of very gradual evolution because you can't build something unless someone sells it.
1: I mean, let's give credit where credit's due. This is if the conservatives do pass this uh or, or put something like this forward i you know i give a lot of credit to Doug Ford and to Steve Clark, minister Steve Clark to uh to really put forward a really positive change that i think i think is the the you know it'll touch on a lot of the things that they want to do it's it will help deal with uh affordability cuz you'll be able to put a lot more livable units on the marketplace which will help uh it, which is again it's something that Hey, you know what? Maybe they have been listening to the podcast because we had Mike Moffitt on twice in the past. And then basically the issue is we don't have enough places for people to live. The The market, the demand doesn't meet the supply. So, I'm sorry, the supply doesn't meet the, meet the demand. Um, this might be a way to help solve that. It's, you're right. I think it, it's about getting people out of the mindset of, well, I need to buy a single family home and, oh, there's a, an empty field there. Well, I got to put a home there. No, we got to start thinking about infill, especially, and again, this goes into the, the sprawl ham on people that they were talking about was all these places downtown that are vacant, derelict, basically useless, redesign them into duplex, triplex, four-story livable units would we'll go a long way to just... Adding adding stuff to the market and start maybe start stopping cur- the 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 bleed of of housing uh, uh, that's happening in this province.
0: Well, I feel like you know this was the point that I couldn't get through when I was running as a candidate um, because you know. Uh, in Burlington, all the heat was on downtown development, and people who are who would call themselves like urbanists and environmentalists and so on, who I count myself amongst, uh, amongst, would say, well, you know, you're you're pandering to the nimbys here, um, and it's like, no, what I'm kind of saying is, it doesn't have to be sprawl or high rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you know, that's that's those are those are two extremes of the development of development styles. And what we've had for far too long in Ontario is you know, we pick small areas in each city and say, this is where high rises can go. And when we pick areas on the edge of town, this is where the single family homes can go. And all that other stuff is off limits, pretty much. And, you know... That seems crazy to me. Um, now, uh, when I was canvassing, you know, street for street through through Burlington, you would see all these sixties, four story buildings built up until the nineteen sixties, in amongst single family homes, small rental units, affordable housing. It's like this is this is affordable housing. This is good quality housing in amongst um, wealth, you know, people with 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 uh, homes of the own who are obviously wealthier or whatever. Um, Why did we stop building that in the 60s? Why is it that 70s, 80s, 90s onwards, this just doesn't happen anymore? Um, And that's what we're really talking about getting back to uh, with this. And and I do think it's a much more healthy, it it has potential to be much more healthy. Now, do I think this government is going to pass that recommendation? Because this recommendation is not coming from politicians, it's coming from this task force of people they appointed. Oh, I've made recommendations on a, well, it wasn't called a task force, but it was a similar kind of thing. And I know how far, you know, what kind of lead balloon they went down looking like. (laughs) (laughs) It's possible that this has been leaked because, you know, the government's going to look at that recommendation of, oh, hey, let's do something that threatens the soccer moms and soccer dads.
1: Well, what I'm I'm concerned about is, as you pointed out in your uh, your analysis, which we'll we'll have a, a link to Roland's article in our show notes, but you make you make a good point in your analysis that it opens up um to smaller development companies yeah yeah you know the, not not the green parks and the Madame homes and the national homes like these big gargantuan companies that really are I mean, when you, when we talk about development that those are the people and those are the the companies that really stand out to a lot of us uh they're the ones who who you know, they're, they're pushing for the green belt to be chopped up so that they can, they can get in there. What I find interesting is that it opens up to the smaller companies. And what I, what excites me about that is because, again, it's that free market principle. If you're having these smaller companies opening up to more innovative housing, they're going to, they got to f- not only are they going to build duplex, triplex, four-story affordable housing, hopefully, they got to find a way to make you want to move in there, which means better amenities for life better quality, uh, greener build, uh, materials that go in there long. I'm hoping longer lasting materials, things that, that you say, yeah, you know, I'm going to live on a, on a third story triplex. So be it with my family, but man, oh man, like my, my energy bill is going to be very manageable. Or I have, um, you know, I, I have, my house is wired for internet and smart and smart technology and whatnot. Like this is the stuff that the smaller companies can innovate because they sit they're sitting there they're hungry right they they want to become the madame's and the national homes and the only way to do that is you got to outthink, oh, oh, play you know old-fashioned capitalism is what's what's at play here so you know i'm i and then on, t- on top of that it's it's not just the brick buildings like we're talking we also have to talk about livable things you know more public space more public wi-fi the Meaning that there has to be more, maybe more storefronts and, and whatnot to accommodate shops, uh, grocers, restaurants, b- all these things that would not make a neighborhood lovable and, and living and lovely to live in. That's that's what's exciting to me is that you're, you're really opening up to some competition, some real, real innovation happening in the in the home, uh, home market. At least I'm hoping I might, I I'm, might. History might prove me wrong, but, you know. I think, I mean, go,
0: uh, the, the, the details that we've got so far are so, are so vague and so limited that you almost, you worry about the, the law of unintended consequences. So, you know, doing this without also changing the laws around parking minimums, say. Right. So that, you know, yeah, you build a triplex, but now you've got to have so much land given over to parking. So now you're clogging up the streets with, with the wasted parking lots, you know. Good intentions can go awry. I mean, I think that's really the lesson of the Places to Grow Act. It's a very an act with very good intentions that has caused a bunch of problems uh, because of unintended consequences that haven't been addressed.
1: I, I'd like to know. My my worry is that this is this could this this plan of action has an ch- opportunity to really cut into. Um, let's face it. Doug Ford's bread and butter. That is the development industry. We know, we know that they are closely tied. Uh, we know that they go to the same barbecues, the same Ford fests, and the same uh, backyard hoot nannies. I can imagine a lot of them saying, No, we're not, we're not, we're not Jones. And for the fact that there might be some upstart company in there who's looking at this saying, Yeah, I can build some fantastic homes, affordable homes for people to live in and make a name for myself in the business. I imagine that there are a lot of people saying, oh, you got it we, we like things the way they are they benefit us what I hope is going to happen is Ms Horvath or Mr del Duca are going to look at this and saying this might be it this might be my way of standing apart from uh from from the conservatives and a way to actually address the problems at the core of what's happening in this province will they have the courage to do it time will tell you know what let's let's invite them on let's have let's have Mr del Duca and Mr Horvath, Ms Horvath on separate yeah. separately of course. And well, I, this is a question I'd ask them. This is exactly a question I would ask them. Are you going to endorse this and will they make this a, a part of their campaign platform?
0: Absolutely. Um, I mean, and I think, I mean, I thought there were other things in the list in the, in the recommendations and in, in the leaked recommendations. So, you know, all kinds of caveats attached here that I was not so much of a fan of one of which was, was, um, making cities pay, um, uh, compensation for heritage houses that get listed which which basically would mean the city can't actually afford to list heritage houses anymore um, uh, which I just thought was stupid and pointless we have, we have Ontario is one of the worst jurisdictions in the world in, in terms of of protection for for any kind of heritage um, we really just suck at it. it you know it's something when you look at the states and, and see them doing a far better job of, of, of preserving interesting uh, historical neighborhoods um but you know that's that's a smaller issue than, than the big one the big one is, is really this the single family homes uh thing and i can niggle about the other stuff uh, and i certainly would do um but um but it's good that this is even on the table to be discussed to be honest mm-hmm. i didn't necessarily expect it to be on the table to be discussed so i hope it is in the recommendations that make it out to the public at the end of the month i hope it doesn't get kind of spiked by the by the province uh, wouldn't surprise me if it did. Um, and, you know, there's an awful long way to go from a recommendations of a task force to legislation, especially in an election year. So so time will tell. But yeah, the best hope may be that um, the opposition parties jump on something like this and and, and take it on as, as a cause that they want to be champions of.
1: Well, let's go on to our last story for the, uh, for the episode, which is a doozy and probably going to get your blood <laughs> boiling if you're... Uh, <laughs> If you have, if you have, what do they what do they call them? Oh yeah, soul. Um, soul. Yeah,
0: yeah. So people with the soul so, turn off now. No, 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 don't do that. Well, <laughs> well uh,
1: yeah. So the the city of Hamilton uh, is uh, basically turning off the warm air for homeless people. Uh, is basically the 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 cold zones version of this one. Yeah, like so. So at city at city hall there are hot air vents that are used by the homeless people of the city to get warm, especially in case you haven't noticed, it is freezing outside, folks. It is January, winter is here, it is minus 20 on a warm day. So yeah, the homeless when in Hamilton, when they wanna get warm and you know survive, there are vents outside of Hamilton City Hall that they used to congregate on and, and get warm on. Not anymore, the City Hall has sealed them up. They've turned off the hot air, literally. Uh, forcing uh, the homeless to migrate elsewhere uh, to to survive the cold weather. Um, I, I have thoughts on this. Roland, what are yours?
0: Yeah, my my thoughts are it's 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 stupid, pointless, counterproductive, heartless. Um, p- partic- particularly, I mean, any time of year. I mean, it, it, this has a long tradition this kind of behavior but by, by cities you know the it, we were just talking about it before we came on on air you know about the you know, why do park benches have three arms on them so you can't so people can't sleep on them why, why do people put literally put spikes into sidewalks to stop people sleeping by doorways you know but this this for the city itself the city hall itself to do this particularly given everything else that's been happening in recent weeks, given the fact that that it is minus between minus 10, minus 20, whatever, you know, plus wind chill outside right now, you know, and really what is the reason for moving people on, you know, where else, A, where else are they going to go? You know, if they're not sleeping on your doorstep, they're going to sleep on someone else's. So thanks, you know, you're not solving the problem, you're moving it. And you're moving it to a more dangerous place, a less well lit place, a colder place where someone might die of hypothermia. Um,
1: well, it, not, not only that, but I mean, let's face it, this city hates homeless people. I think we can safely say that at this at this point after um, the tent evictions that went horribly wrong for the city and for the city police. This is just, a, you know, this is a kind of the footnote to that chapter in my mind. I, I, I kind of get where the city's coming from on this. I, I get, you know, nobody wants to see homeless people sleeping on. On, on the streets no, nobody does For whatever your back whatever your reasoning is, I think we can all safely say we don't want to we don't want to see it. The problem is the attitude towards it either you look at them as they're scum and they're they're a nuisance and we need to eradicate them like literally eradicate them, push them aside no matter what or you look at them as human beings and say we need to house these people not and not crawl them into a mission or a shelter to get them out of the way legitimately house them. Uh, is,
0: yeah, and,
1: you know, and, and that and that points that points a really hard one to do. I mean that that takes money and initiative and an actual plan, and you actually have to do something uh, to do this. Clearly, the city the city of Hamilton does not want to do that. They rather take you know it's it's just the stuff like it's, it's just cruel in my mind. It's cruel uh, to say no. We're not we're not gonna we're not gonna allow you to be here. Okay, where do you want me to go? I don't care. Just not here.
0: Yeah. And which is, you know, when you say, you know, we don't want to look at that. Well, why don't we want to look at that? Well, I, I was saying the, the primary reason we people living comfortably in houses or why City Hall doesn't want to doesn't want to look at that, which is, you know, a problematic phrase or so It's because it tells us that we failed that all our all our promises of, of building better cities and better societies and, and more equitable societies mm-hmm. have failed. And we have not managed to get people off the streets. Uh, and here it here it is still uh, you know in the middle of winter with, with people huddling by an air vent. You uh, if if you want the homeless people to go away, you have to provide them with solutions, with places to live, um, and and to, to 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 choose this moment. And I presume this has been going on for years. This isn't a new you know Hamilton City Hall has been around a while. Um, But they choose to do this in January. Uh, I mean, what, and and as Joey Coleman pointed out, they probably need, they probably technically need, um, you know, uh, a minor variance or something, or or, uh, to to put up the damn hoarding. And of course they won't have done that because they're the city and they don't need to worry about it. So, and and, and, you know, frankly, a couple of big boards sticking up um, with, with metal frames on the outside of City Hall, which will no doubt be covered with vandalism or something in a few weeks. That's pretty damn ugly, too. You know, I'd rather have the homeless people sleeping there and actually at least know that they're safe. It, it It's it's just so incredibly thoughtless of, like, there's a problem. How can we solve it? Well, just by getting rid of it so that it, we can't see it anymore, so we just brush it under the carpet. And it is you know, this is the way things have always been done. They're not the first city to do this. They won't be the last. But it's, it's in, in the context of, yeah, the kind of, you know, uh, you know, literal sort of coming to blows. Uh, mm-hmm. Police kneeling on people's necks uh, as they're clearing tents off the fields. It's like, why don't you just leave the people with the damn tents in the fields? At least they'll be safe in a tent, probably, or safer. I mean, the, the ridiculousness of like, if you are homeless in Hamilton, like, well, whatever I do, I'm screwed. You know, what the hell am I supposed to do here? Um, what it just strikes me is, it's it'd be one thing to say, okay,
1: don't 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 sleep on the grate, go go to a socialized housing, you know, or, or let's, let's get you into, if you need mental health services, here you go. We'll put you into that, that pipeline, but these things don't exist. And I think that's the, that's the, the cruelty of it. It's, you know, why don't you pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Well, these people don't literally literally in some cases don't even have boots. Um, why, you know, why, why don't, you know, get your act together, go get a job. Well, you know, how how do you get a job when you don't have a place to live? And that's and yeah, like yeah, that. that it's who like, are, that, are
0: homeless will, will tend to have tend to have. I'm trying not to generalize here, but there will be all kinds of exceptionalities, health problems, whatever. That there are all kinds of things which which complicate the picture. So so yeah, many homeless people are complicated to deal with for 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 a variety of reasons that are no fault of their own necessarily. Um, that's not an excuse for just abandoning them and saying, well, you know, what can you do? Um, so we'll just keep on kicking them off doorstep after doorstep until we run out of doorsteps and they move to someone else's city. Um, yeah, it's it's, just not good enough in this day and age to keep on, um, to keep on year after year coming out with the lies that, that, that we're trying to actually solve these problems when we're not, we're just trying to stick band-aids over solutions And, and, and constantly, you know, why, why don't, why didn't they want homeless people living in tents in a park? Again, it's purely visual. This just, is just, it's just keeping up with the Joneses. We don't, I you know, was like, oh, well, you're giving Hamilton you're, a bad you're, reputation. Well, of course they are, because Hamilton sucks for this stuff. You deserve well, every, a bad reputation.
1: Every city sucks for this stuff. And well, yeah. that's the thing, is that it that's the problem with, the the real problem of homelessness is that it reminds the city, we failed. You're right, we failed at this. We failed objectively and, and just completely on this front. And that's why you're going to, you're in the naysayers, the people who are listening to this and they're going to, they're going to, I know right now we're going to hear, oh, well, they deserve it. You know, they, they put themselves in that position. They, they, they didn't work hard enough. They didn't get, you know, they didn't get their life in order. They're a bunch of bums and they're, you know, whatever the, the excuse is. Here's the thing we know for a fact, and ask anyone in those camps, homelessness doesn't have, it just happens to you. It's usually for reasons, not of your making. And especially in this day and age, with the pandemic and the uncertainty of, of employment in some cases, it, it just happens. And to ha- to find yourself suddenly thrown out on the street, it's there's no we don't. It's just a sign that we don't care about these people. Which is again why let's just let's literally push them off to the side. Because if we push them off to the side, I don't have to deal with it. We don't actually have to come up with a policy or plan to fix it. And here's the thing. We know for a fact, the easiest problem for it is just build them a house to live in. Like they say, oh, we can't afford it. We can't afford to build this. Yeah, we can. We've said it before. Heck, coming off our previous discussion, you start fill infilling all these sites downtown Hamilton and you say, you know what? For every every 10% of your, of your new development, that has to be given over to a public housing corporation, the Hamilton Housing Corporation or whatever whatever the case may be. And you just give it to the home like there's none, none of this oh you got to get a job first you got to get this just say no we put you in there we'll put you in there and then we'll throw we'll throw services at your way we'll get you a job get you get you cleaned up and start working and you know what they do it they do it around the world they do it in Europe they do it in the Scandinavian countries and and you know what it works it works on helping turning people's lives around and it's helping solve the issue it can work here. And the but, fact that we don't do it, I think, is just cruel.
0: Yeah, uh, we've got to get beyond this 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 notion that we have as a society that somehow we don't have money to do anything. When, I don't know, you know, I look at uh, the kind of money my parents had when I, I was a child and the lifestyle, they, they didn't have a car, they didn't have central heating. Um, for about the first five years of my life, they didn't have a fridge for some reason. <laughs> I think that was laziness, actually, not that they... I <laughs> don't think they got around to buying one. <laughs> but... Yeah, you know, the things that we we think are absolutely requirement. You know, they would have considered themselves kind of middle class people. Like my dad was an accountant. I mean, very much lower <laughs> middle class if we qualified at all. Um, but you know, he, he was a professional, I guess. Um, but all these things we didn't have that we now consider absolutely essentials of, of of modern life. And yet somehow they didn't feel that they can afford. You know, a to fully fund the health service or to pay for all kinds of things that we don't pay for anymore. Um, uh, You know, it's a huge lie that, that, that we, that we don't have the money to solve the problems if, if we have the desire to solve them. Yeah. It's it's, it's just a purely a lack of will um, when it comes to things like poverty and homelessness.
1: I want to, I want to think if there's one thing that this pandemic has shown us is that we need to stop worrying about taking care of the, 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 The job creators or the, the, the businesses, they'll figure it out on their own where the money needs to go in the future has to be towards people helping, uh, make, helping make life more, more affordable for people, helping, uh, things like, you know, subsidized daycare for families, subsidized housing, affordable housing, uh, free housing. If that's the case to get people off the street, um, Better work hours, better working conditions, better better employment rights. These are the things that are going to make a difference, and what we need going forward. You know, that there's just we can do better. I know we can, and that's the thing. The 905 region has a lot of wealth in it. It has a lot of people, and I do think it has a lot of compassion and a lot of a lot of people with whose hearts are in the right place. And I'm, I think what we need is leadership to. Stop listening to vested interests. Stop listening to money. Start talking to people and realize you have a lot of power and you have a lot of goodwill out there. And we've seen we can we've seen a lot of money can be put in. It might be needed to put into this, but to me, it's a small small term pain for a long term gain. Uh, and and we we I think we can do it. I really do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I, I think we need to to rebuild our faith in 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 society as a whole, working together to do amazing things. So working hand in hand with government, government as our servant, doing things on our behalf to 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 attain the objectives that we have as society. Like, hey, defeat poverty. You know, people talk about things like like ending poverty. You know. Decade after decade after decade, it's so damn achievable. There aren't that many homeless people, you know, compared with so many of the other things that we do. It's very much within reach to end homelessness uh, and to to eliminate poverty. Um, you know, the, these are not the biggest things that we need to be doing. We can do these ones, um, and yet there's been such a massive collapse of kind of trust and faith in government as something that. As, as something that can do things to make conditions for everybody better and more equitable and more fair. Um it's such a feeling that, you know, this is as good as it gets. You know, really, we're just in a kind of backwards fight to stop it getting worse. Uh, we need to turn that on its head. We really do. Um, but this, you know, the reasons why we're held up, well, I think, I suspect we'll come on to those in, in weeks ahead. Uh, I'm just thinking well, of that convoy and... What that symbolizes? <laughs> Let's I, get no, onto that but,
1: not go into that one. No, no, but I, I mean, I think that's something you, you and I have talked. You know, when we took that break over the over the the holidays, you and I were talking about what did we want to do this year's election year uh, for both provincial and, and municipalities in Ontario, and if something we wanted to do with this podcast was, and uh, you might not believe it from this episode, but talking about the the problems of other than just bitching and complaining, but we kind of want to get away from that. We want to start looking at what are the solutions and we're hoping over the, over the weeks and months ahead that we'll start providing not the answers, but just maybe start a conversation with, uh, w- with you and, and other people just to start thinking outside the box of, Hey, you know what? Maybe just maybe the stuff is possible. We can actually, actually tackle that. Um, and you know what? I hope that you can you start throwing it back to uh, Mr. Del Duca, Ms. Horvath, and Mr. Ford, and you start holding them to account and say, why don't we have these things? Because uh, yeah, I, I, like well, I suspect a lot of time it's going to come back to just a lack of will, is ultimately what it comes down to.
0: Yeah, the, the lack of will for that kind of courageous, risk-taking policy announcements. But yeah, listeners, please write into us and tell us what what would you what do you want to see on the platforms this year, the provincial platforms. Uh, what what do you want to see that you're pretty sure isn't going to be there, and 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 why? And if if you had one of the party leaders available to talk to, what what would you ask them? What would you be saying is the most important thing that uh, they should be looking for right now? Because you know we ch- chunter away here <laughs> each week. We're just. You know, we're no more experts than you are, and we really uh, do appreciate and value and want uh, your suggestions, recommendations, and ideas. And yeah, let's try to start influencing these people.
1: On that note, we'll call it a day. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye bye. Bye bye.